Good day to you, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Film Focus, episode 21, Top 10 Films of 2016. Hello there. People of the North, South, East, and West, and welcome to another episode of Film Focus. I'm your host, Hypersonic 55, and I'm glad you decided to join me right at the end of this year. 2016 has been a pretty interesting year. Um, pretty depressing year, to be honest, and uh, full of a lot of drama, a lot of surprises, and a lot of sadness. But um, there was also a lot of films, and we had some pretty interesting films now it can be argued that 2016 as an overall package has been a pretty disappointing year for films especially when it comes to the blockbuster films and the summer film season overall but to say that there weren't any good films in 2016 would just be a big old fat lie there have definitely been some really good excellent quality material based films and some hidden gems that a lot of people haven't actually seen and while I haven't actually seen as many films as I would have liked in 2016, at the same time, I can say that the ones that I have seen have definitely left an impact for the good and for the bad. Now, my top 10 is a sort of mashup of obvious choices, but some not so obvious. Um, I try to be as selective as possible, and the interesting thing about my top 10 this time round is a lot of it is subject to change. I'm looking at it right now and I'm just like, oh, some of these films could switch on the tip of a hat. I think it's mainly just because some of these films I've only seen once, some of them I've seen multiple times, so I have like you know a better understanding of how they fit in the overall top 10 structure. But before I get into the top 10, I'm going to give you my honorable mentions, and these are all the films I saw that were definitely either in the top 10 beforehand or could qualify for the top 10 but there were just other films that made it into the top 10 that just you know made it in before then so without further ado here are my honorable mentions for the films that i saw in 2016 starting out with star trek beyond star trek beyond i think was around number seven or eight in my list and i really liked that film it was surprising how much i liked that film considering the terrible marketing campaign with, uh, you know, the Beastie Boys, like, you know, trailer, and the annoying Rihanna song that ended up in one of them. But the film was really good. It was the most Star Trekky of, you know, the newer, you know, J.J. Abrams-based uh, Star Trek films. But it had that sort of old look and feel. Uh, the characters were definitely on point with their acting. Everybody brought their A-game. And there was just a lot of interesting and surprising little details when it came to the story. The presentation was great, the soundtrack was really good, and while I still don't like it as much as Star Trek 2009, I'd still say that it was definitely a solid film that deserves to be in any person's top 10, if it is. Uh, next up is Moana. Now, this was a film that I struggled so hard to, you know, was it decide whether I was going to put it in the top 10 or not. And it just didn't make it just by a tiny hair. Because after I saw Moana, I was... I was happy because that film, oh my goodness, was so nice, so delightful. It was one of the most 
beautiful films that Disney have ever made and even though it's 3D it happens to have that sort of 2D feel especially with the character design and the way in which they're animated it feels like classic Disney it feels like it goes along with all the other Disney films from the 90s um, I love the title character Moana she is like literally one of my favorite female protagonists in any Disney film since probably Mulan from the 90s uh, and just her and uh, Maui, like, you know, played by Dwayne The Rock Johnson, they made for a great pairing. They had good chemistry. Dwayne The Rock Johnson cannot do anything wrong, in my opinion. As Maui, he was fabulous. The music was incredible. It's probably one of my favorite soundtracks from any animated film for a while now. And the songs are really catchy. I love the shiny song. I love Your Welcome. How Far I Go is really good. And uh, the fact that they even had songs in another language was really daring and impressive. So, yeah, good stuff. Um, another film that I had in my top 10 was The Accountant. Now, that film I was interested in from the trailers. I thought it looked pretty interesting. I heard the reviews weren't too good during its initial release. So I was like, mm, I don't know if I'm going to watch this. But I watched it with my family. I ended up, we all liked it. We liked it a lot, actually. Uh, ben Affleck was really good. I love Anna Kendrick and she was really good really good in the film as well um, just a really nice well put together film the action was solid the story was interesting um, a lot of interesting backstory for like you know Ben Affleck's character and just the way that film progresses it felt smart just well put together it's a good film if you haven't seen it you know catch it on like you know home video DVD or Blu-ray or whatever you watch your stuff on some good stuff um, the next one on my list was The Nice Guys. Now, this one was in my top five to six, I think, during, like, at least the summer season. This film was great. I still don't think I liked it as much as Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, but the pairing of uh, Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe was great. I can't remember the name of uh, Ryan Gosling's daughter, but the actress that played her was great, too. I love Keith David. There was just a lot of really solid performances in that film. And there was this wonderful balance of like, you know, action and comedy. And there was a little bit of heart to the film as well. But I just love how smartly written the script was. It was very good. And even though I feel like a lot of the best moments in the film were ruined from the trailer, some of the best jokes, especially that whole like, you know, was it thing in the toilet or when <laughs> the gun flew out the window, that was good. But, nah, that film was great, and just towards the end when there's a lot of stuff happening in the third act, some of it just gets completely bizarre and off the walls, and I loved it. So, yeah, The Nice Guys, I wish it could be in my top ten. But, alas, it just misses, just a tiny bit. And now we move on to The Edge of Seventeen. I really like that film. I'm a fan of coming-of-age films, and there's not too many of them that come out these days that, you know, can effectively tug at your heartstrings and make you think make you feel feel nostalgic and relate to you and like you know that way and, and do all of the above my last favorite film in the coming of age like you know genre was the purpose of being a wallflower and this is the first film in a while that i feel sort of reaches that area now the edge of 17 was not as relatable as i would have liked maybe it's just because i never went to an american school or i'm not a girl or you know, some of these sort of situations don't necessarily apply to me, but at the same time, there were certain elements I could relate to. And the story was fairly interesting. It got really emotional, quite dramatic at certain points. And just Haley Steinfeld, she can't do anything wrong to me right now. Like, you know, for me, should I say. Like, I've seen her since True Grit, and she's just regressed so well. She was absolutely solid in this film, and Woody Harrison was 
fabulous. So good. So funny. So rude and sarcastic and just brilliant. He was great. Those two had great screen time together. The Ezra 17 was lovely. It was a good film, but again, just missing out on that top 10. Another film that was really good, which was in my top 10 for a little while, was Deepwater Horizon. I was not sure if I was going to like this film as much as I did, because I like Peter Berg. Um, after I watched Lone Survivor, he was literally one of the sort of guys where I'm like, okay, I'm paying attention to you now. You're a really good director. I'm appreciating your material. But Deepwater Horizon, my goodness, what a revelation that was. Now, the first act, like, you know, the first part of the film is definitely a little slow. It definitely takes some time to establish, like, uh, what's going on in the oil rig, establish who the main characters are, and, um, you know, everything that happens before the actual incident takes place. But once that incident starts, good gravy. And I have to say this right now, this film might have the best explosion I've ever seen in any film ever. It's not necessarily the biggest, but in terms of just pure sound design and spectacle it was insane and while i could never imagine what it was like to be in that sort of situation seeing it in film it looked terrifying and that's one of the best elements of the film it captured that feeling of fear intensity madness and chaos there's a lot of like you know was it really good performances really good cgi sound design like i said pretty decent soundtrack and the performances are solid especially from mark Wahlberg. really good material good stuff I really wish I could have put it in my top 10 because I really liked that film. I saw it twice. And, um, well, two times may not be that much for people. If you're seeing a film more than once, then you can definitely say that you like it a lot. Uh, also, we have Don't Breathe. A horror film that I didn't even expect to like because I am not the biggest fan of horror. But I watched this on the same day I watched the Blair Witch remake sequel thing. It's a sequel, wasn't it? Yeah, Blair Witch. Which I also thought was good, but don't breathe. Talk about tension. Holy mackerel. I've never felt so much tension in the history of my life. Actually, that's a lie. I've probably felt tension a few times, like in Sicario, but nah, this was pretty high up there. Seeing those kids infiltrate that blind man's house and then seeing what happens after that. Good gravy. I've never just wanted to get out of a like you know situation. It was claustrophobic, it was freaky, scary, and some of that stuff in the film is just really odd. Very strange. And some of it I had room for me before I saw it in the film. So, well, not so much room, but I had it alluded to. But I thought it was a really good film. Not top 10 material for me. I'll probably put it in my, say, top 11 or 12. But definitely solid material. Good film. Stephen Lang was great. Everybody else was pretty solid in the film as well. Um, yeah, don't breathe. Good time. Uh, Deadpool. Now, everybody goes on about Deadpool as like, oh, the best comic book film of the year. It's so original and so different. While it was definitely different, the general story in Deadpool is one that we've seen before. And I thought Deadpool was pretty good, but the problem was the marketing was so much better than the actual film, in my opinion, that when the film eventually came out, a lot of some of the, you know, good gags in the film were in the trailers. And... Deadpool has that sort of style of humor, you know, that sort of raunchy, like, you know, was it a uh, 15 slash R rated, like, you know, American comedy style humor that just doesn't really work for me. It can either go one of two ways. And I just thought, yeah, it's all right, but it's just not necessarily for me. But some of the humor did work. There's a great bit towards the end, which is sort of like a uh, Hugh Jackman reference, which I'm not going to ruin if you haven't seen it already. But if you have seen it, you know exactly what I mean. Best part of the film. My favorite part. 
But the problem is with Deadpool, I saw it the one time and I know everything that happens, so I don't know if there's going to be any replay value for me. So, yeah. Deadpool was fine, but, yeah, you know, not that great. It was good, though. Really good. And it turned out a lot better than I ever expected it to, but, you know, again, everyone going on about it like it's the, you know, best thing since sliced bread? Hmm. I don't know. Next up is Central Intelligence. Now, I am not the biggest fan of comedy films. I tend to actually avoid them just because normally they just don't end up being all that funny. But it had Kevin Hart and, you know, Dwayne Johnson. I, I had to give it a watch. And this film was surprisingly fun. It was ridiculous, stupid, and has so many just, just silly moments. But it was fun because Johnson and Hart had, like, this really great chemistry. The story was, you know, ridiculous but fun. And, it, yeah, it was it was some good stuff. So, yeah. Central Intelligence was a lot of decent material. And now, for the most controversial film in my honorable mentions, Arrival. Now, before you guys come at me with your pitchforks and, like, you know, was it torches and all that random stuff, here's the thing. I was hyped beyond belief to see Arrival. I am a fan of, uh, let's see how to say his name properly, Denis Villeneuve, at least I think that's how you say his name. I like Prisoners. I liked Sicario, but I was looking forward to this one the most just because there was a lot of hype behind it when it coming out of the film festivals. Most of the film sites and like, you know, film related things that I watch on YouTube said, oh yeah, Arrival, film of the year, film of the year. I was hyped beyond belief. So I went to see the film and it had a bit of a slow start. I'm not going to lie. The film looked really pretty. I love like some of the uh, cinematography. The performances were solid. And then the ending happened and like... While it was incredibly powerful, dramatic, and emotional, and just seeing the way the film progressed in a way that was definitely different to every other sort of sci-fi alien invasion film that we've had in the last few years, at the same time, I don't know. I think I got like some semi-flashbacks to Interstellar in terms of like the third act and the way in which it was introduced, which sort of just changed my perspective on the movie. And for a lot of people, that was a deciding factor that made them love the film. Now, I'm not saying that this is the same as Interstellar. In fact, I would say Arrival is, like, you know, heaps better than Interstellar. No offense to Interstellar fans. Um, but for me, Arrival was just hyped up to be, like, you know, just the most amazing thing in the history of existence. And I I was moved, definitely for sure. I thought it was a very impressive film. But at the same time, I was just like, this, this wasn't, like, you know, the sort of, oh, my God, revelation, best thing ever in my life. Ooh! just not my kind of thing um so yeah rival was really good but i don't know it just wasn't like you know is it cracking my top 10 so you know come at me say what you want i don't care but um that's how i feel all right so that's all of my mentions i can't believe i was actually going on for this long but hey it needed to be said because some of these films i really wanted to do reviews on but i just didn't have the time and i just needed to get my little mini thoughts slash reviews out so there you go. Alright then, now to get into the meat of this episode, the actual top 10 itself. Now I'm going to have varying amounts of things to say about some of these films because some of them I haven't seen for a while since they became part of my top 10. So yeah, if they don't, if like what I have to say about certain films is not as comprehensive as others, do not, do not assume that I don't care for the film as much as the other, it's just that my memory is a little foggy. So, starting out with number 10, Green Room, the most recent addition to my top 10. Um, Green Room was a film that 
I had heard so much about since it's like, you know, released back in, I think it was May of this year for us UK people. And it was just a lot of talk about like, oh yeah, this film is really good. Film of the year material. Patrick Stewart, as you've never seen it before. Anton Yelchin, like the poor, like, you know, is it late Anton Yelchin. Really solid, career-defining performance. And I'm like, oh man, I really want to see this film. But there I was just saying... I can't be asked to leave the house, so I just never got around to watching it, and I feel so ashamed because I saw this film, like, literally, I think, last week, and my goodness, what a film. That film was intense, violent, filth. Ooh, man, I don't know if I would have been able to handle that in the cinema, man, because some of the stuff that happens in that film, some of the way that some of these people die, get taken out, cut up, shot up, ooh, filth, filth. And man, it just plays out in a very interesting way with the way in which these sort of main young characters end up in this situation in like, you know, a very confined space. And like, you know, I just don't want to say what happens, but let's just say some some stuff goes down and it's just oh, it's grim, grim. And my gosh, just like, you know, just seeing some of these guys. So really impressive. Um, the the performances were so totally solid. Like I said, uh, this is Patrick Stewart at like, you know, it was a very dark place that I don't think I've ever seen from him before, which was really good. Anton Yelchin, this is probably like a lot of people said, his best performance in his career so far, which is a darn shame considering that he passed this year. But it was so good really impressive material and I can't remember the name of that uh, other girl who was in uh, Arrested Development but it was great to see her like you know was it in that in this film as well because she was really impressive I like the uh, I like the makeup I like the way the film was shot the lighting was interesting the use of color really good green room I didn't think I'd ever have a horror film in my like you know top 10 but here we go times are changing indeed and uh, now we got number nine hell or high water I heard so much hype behind this film when it came out, like, you know, the film festival season before it came out, you know, in the cinema, and I was really looking forward to this because, like, Ben Foster has become one of the sort of guys that I finally started paying attention to, mainly because of Collider Movie Talk, and, uh, you know, everybody mentioning him that he's like, oh, yeah, this underrated, like, you know, star that always puts in, like, 100% in his films, and he does all these great performances. I never noticed Ben Foster as an actor properly until Lone Survivor, even though I'd seen him, I think the first time in X-Men number three, you know, the one that we don't talk about. But yeah, the guy was the guy was incredible in this film. In Hell or High Water, he was really good. But one person that they keep forgetting to mention in like, you know, all these accolades and like uh, reviews is Chris Pine. Chris Pine is one of the sort of actors that's definitely like, you know, stepped up his game. Like, you know, was it since, uh, you know, the sort of mid-2000s. He first emerged as Kirk in, you know, the J.J. Abrams, like, 2009 Star Trek film. And while he's had a few misses here and there, he's definitely tried to advance his career. And, like, I thought The Finest Hours might be his, like, you know, best performance of this year. But it's actually Hello High Water. He showed dramatic acting chops that I never knew that he had. And it was really impressive the way in which he was able to, you know, have this really good screen chemistry with um, Ben Foster's character. But just his overall demeanor and like, you know, physical presence and acting and magnetism. Charisma was just different to what we've seen in some of the more blockbustery films that he's been in beforehand. Chris Pine was incredible. And also Jeff Bridges. Really good. I don't I don't want to make this sound in a bad way, but it seems like Jeff Bridges can do not that much and still be really impressive. 
and he was just really good in this film as well the action was solid i liked the way the film was shot and some of the stuff in this film was just really raw and dirty and i like that hella high water definitely top 10 material so good damn good so that's number number nine moving into number eight zootopia now zootopia is one of those sort of tricky films because all the following films after this are really good and i really could just play mix and match but i feel like zootopia is of the disney films that got released this year i feel it's just the slightly more superior one just because it tells a story that is not as conventional as moana or like you know was it what pixar did with like you know finding dory just the whole animal concept with the city and like you know their whole uh, themes on like you know segregation and like you know prejudice and like you know the whole prey and uh, predator thing it was really impressive really well thought out there was definitely a lot of uh, material for children but also stuff for adults the uh, you know pop culture references were great especially the one for breaking bad which i missed the first time i saw it the music was quite catchy the animation was solid the art style was wonderful it was really well thought out in terms of the way in which they had all these different animals you know with their different sizes and different environments and all that sort of stuff Zootopia was good really good all right number seven dr strange now i debated about where i was going to put this in this uh top 10 list because i really liked dr strange a lot but at the same time considering like you know is it how i felt about other marvel films beforehand i feel like when i came out of dr strange it wasn't the same feeling of elation that i had with certain other films but it was definitely really solid what i really liked about dr strange was his ability to be familiar yet completely unique at the same time um the premise and like you know origin story of dr stephen strange is definitely similar to iron man but that's only because that's the way in which it happened in the comics um i just thought like stephen strange's adventure was pretty interesting unique psychedelic strange and unnatural but just fascinating to watch the cast overall were really solid especially benedict cumberbatch my boy who still can't do any wrong tilda swinton who was arguably the best person in the entire film as the ancient one i really loved uh chiwetel Ejiofor as baron mordo and uh benedict wong as wong was good and even mads mikkelsen who was not the best of the marvel villains obviously like uh but i thought he was pretty solid and he added more to the Casillas character than um one could have expected yeah i thought that the action was really cool i like the mix of like you know using magic and martial arts the whole like you know is it space manipulation uh led to just some crazy trippy sequences and some stuff that just put obsession on crack it was like watching you know crazy drug induced adventures and it was really fun it was a great you know was it set up for what could come not only in the doctor strange you know sequels but also in uh you know the rest of the marvel cinematic universe as well so i like the film really solid all right and now we got number six which is jungle book a film that i was interested in and i hoped was good but i did not expect to like it as much as i did straight from the introduction the film was on point it had the same gorgeous music and visual like you know representation of what happened in the original film and i was like the film has me the film has me and that cgi oh my god we've gotten to that point where you know working with digital visual effects you're able to create things 
with such realism. It's scary. All of these animals moving, talking, and it looks so realistic. It was scary, but it was so good. And the fact that it was literally just the uh, dude that played Mowgli there with nothing else to act towards. Some people say that his acting skills were a little questionable, but it was his first performance. And I feel like considering the circumstances he had to work with, dude did really well. And the rest of the actors in there, like, you know, voice roles was really good. Whether you're talking like uh, Lupita Nyong'o or Bill Murray, who was pretty much just Bill Murray, but just in that really fun way. Ben Kingsley or my favorite, favorite, favorite Idris Elba as Shere Khan. He was fabulous. So good in the villainous role. He had the voice for it. He was just incredible. So good. All right, and now we move into the actual top five, and this is where things get interesting. Midnight Special, a film that I missed during its like cinematic run in the you know cinema, but I ended up catching it, I think, during the summer, and wow, that film was definitely not what I expected at all. The film was way more impressive than I thought it would be. It was just a very mysterious yet interesting concept with like, you know, a father and son on the run with his friend just trying to get to a certain point while being hunted by like, you know, was it uh, certain individuals. And part of the best elements of that film is literally just the mystery and seeing, you know, just trying to get from point A to point B. What's wrong with this kid? Why are these people after him? what's the deal why are so many people like you know was it so interesting this kid you know there's a lot of interesting things the performances were great joel edgerton continues to do no wrong same case with michael shannon who is one of my favorite actors like you know working today kirsten dunce was also good i don't know the name of the main kid in the film but he was good and adam driver was also cool in the film as well the film was really interesting um just a really good set of like suspense and while the third act like slash ending is the sort of key element that for a lot of people was either you know the deciding factor whether they liked it or not um some people said that they hated the ending i thought the ending was pretty interesting pretty cool and it sort of reminded me a bit of tomorrowland in a way but just just better um midnight special was really good i really enjoyed it and if you haven't seen it definitely check it out now we go into this area where things get a little interesting with uh, number four, which is Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Now, the problem with Rogue One is that I've only seen it the once, so I can't fully process whether I will have the same emotional, like, you know, attachment to it the second time round. But watching it for the first time, there were definitely some issues I had with it in the beginning, like, you know, was it with the fact that you had to, like, hop around from different locations to location to, like, you know, establish certain, like, you know, was it characters and, like, you know, was it locations that would either sort of come into play later on in the story or just, you know, establish where we were at the start of the film. But once the film got going, it got going. And then the final act of this film is probably one of the best final acts I've ever seen in recent film history. It was just so much action and chaos and oh so much fan service but in the right kind of way a lot of people have complained about like you know was it the use of cgi the um fact that a lot of these characters don't have too much backstory or aren't given like you know proper character arcs and um that the film just overall was a disappointment in terms of like you know its connection to the uh you know main series of star wars films i thought that while it was 
disappointing not to have a little bit more backstory in some of these like you know key characters that were you know responsible for stealing the death star plans i felt like for the most part all of them had their parts to play they were pretty good and the film just took a lot of interesting risks that i did not expect them to the visual effects was fantastic for the most part um the space battles space battles and aerial battles were great the hand-to-hand combat was really impressive the just the style of like shooting the cinematography was just so much different from what we've seen in the star wars film before and i loved it the sense of scale the intimacy the sort of dirty nature of it loved the makeup loved the costume work the alien designs were great and the way in which this film was able to look like the original star wars films and yet still have its like you know sort of new elements in there was good the references to the original trilogy and even the prequels was pretty solid the use of Darth Vader good gravy man um, that's all I'm gonna say about that but that was literally one of my favorite moments in the history of life um cast was really solid I really like you know was it uh Felicity Jones and um Donnie Yen those are my personal favorites everyone goes on about K2SO I thought he was good but overhyped for me um story was just really interesting it was fairly dramatic and um yes i cared for these characters some more so than others and i thought like you know was it some of the more uh, darker elements in this film definitely just helped me you know enjoy star wars in a different way than what i've seen in like you know the main series of films i think star wars rogue one is good definitely more fans will get a kick out of it than you know people that aren't like you know into star wars but i thought it was impressive and i reckon you should see it while it's still out in the cinema right now now we move on to number three, Kubo and the Two Strings, mate. One of the best animated films of the year that no one saw because you're all terrible people. But if you did watch the film, yo, I take my hat to you. Leica Studios, or is it Leica Studios? I hope that's their name, but yeah, Leica. Those guys, ever since they made Coraline, they've had my love and respect ever since. And while Coraline, before Kubo, was probably my favourite of their films... That's not to say that Paranorman and, like, you know, the box trolls weren't good. It's just that, for me, I like my uh, animated films with a little bit more darkness and uh, interesting mythology to them. And Kubo and the Two Strings gave me that. As a fan of Japanese culture, you know, samurais and, like, you know, is it a lot of anime-based stuff, this film happened to, like, speak to me very much so. It happened to capture the culture and some of those sort of classic stories. It was done very well. The soundtrack was gorgeous. I really liked the cast. Um, the characters were really fun. The animation was gorgeous. The art style was lovely. And it just went to some pretty intense slash dark places. It had a really good sense of atmosphere. The, color t- the colors were good. Um, the action sequences were great, and just the creativity of it all was really, really fun. It's a really good film, and I'm so annoyed that it's just like, you know, it feels like diminishing returns for Leica because every new film that they've done is like they push the boundaries of what can be done with like, you know, stop frame animation, you know, with the uh, different way they incorporate like, uh, you know, not only the handmade like, you know, puppetry stuff, but also with like CGI and the sense of scale that they were able to get in this film, as opposed to all their other ones, was just madness. And it bugs me that these days everyone just wants to see, no offense, 
standard CGI, like, you know, 3D kiddie films, when there are a plethora of other styles in 2D and stop frame, and no one gives a monkeys because they're too different in their art style or require children to think. So, yeah, that's just a minor rant for another day. But, yeah, Kuba and the Two Strings, definitely top 10 material. If you ain't seen it, go watch it. And this is where it gets a little interesting because in number two, which I wasn't sure it was actually going to be my number two or not for a little while, we have Captain America Civil War. Now, this could easily be my favorite film of the year. In a lot of ways, it still is. Uh, I've seen the film now, I think about five or six times, about four or five times in the cinema and once again on Blu-ray. I love this film. It's so good. Um, <laughs> I saw this film at midnight screening with my uh, two besties from uh, back at uni and oh my gosh, watching it at a midnight screening with everybody, the feeling of madness and elation and excitement and happiness and drama it compounded in like you know just one of my favorite cinematic experiences i've had in a good few years captain america civil war was able to take the foundations of what like the russo brothers did with the winter soldier except they expand upon it by tenfold and then also act as a continuation to like you know the other sort of uh, mcu films most notably like you know avengers number two and there was just a lot of drama to this film but also a good mix of humor in there as well it was able to advance the captain america storyline in a really interesting kind of way there was a lot of drama and consequences for the heroes and just seeing them have to turn against each other even though the stakes weren't as dramatic as some may have hoped especially considering that was based off of the civil war storyline from the comics i feel like this film did service to not only the captain america series but also the like marvel series as a whole in you know giving us like you know development for some of these other characters like uh vision scarlet witch and hawkeye but then also including like other characters like uh ant-man and uh black widow as well but the way in which they was able to incorporate people like spider-man and get us excited for the character like that after the abysmal job that Sony do with The Amazing Spider-Man 2 was just a revelation. And here's the reason why people were excited for a new Spider-Man film. He was so well cast. He did his job so well. And he had these wonderful scenes with Tony Stark and Black Panther. Good gravy. I knew they were going to do him justice when they announced Chadwick Boseman as the character. But I didn't know that they were going to get it so well. They introduced this character and made him fit within the context of the story and made me want his film so bad and the fact that we have to wait until february 2018 hurts me but black panther whoo session captain america civil war was just overall just a, a fabulous session i've never geeked out so hard in my life and that airport sequence what can be said that hasn't been said already fabulous fabulous material and sure there are some like you know was it questionable decisions made with the story and like the villain and some sort of convenient elements here and there but when you've done such a good job with a marvel film like civil war it's hard to find cons that can outweigh all the pros captain america civil war was a session really good top 10 material yeah and now we move on to the final film in my top 10 which is number one sing street don't know what it is i'm not surprised sing street i'm not sure if it really got that much of a you know major release this year but um it was a film i saw fairly late in my like 2016 viewing i never got around to seeing it in the cinema because i don't think it actually got released in my local town but 
I heard so many people talking about it online, at least on the Collider side of things, and the Schmoes No show. So I decided to give it a watch, and oh my gosh, what a revelation that film was. I have never felt so happy and emotional about a film in a little while. Um, the film is essentially a musical, but not in that sort of conventional way. It's got like a sort of realistic setting but then sort of passes into that sort of musical area but in not so much of a abrupt or like you know was it offensive manner it sort of happens in this sort of almost uh heightened state of realism kind of way and the story is one that is you know one that we sort of seen before but at the same time it's just really sweet and lovely and it covers this wonderful like you know concept of like uh what it's like to be young to you know have feelings for someone and the creation of music um it's hard to describe without actually going into very specifics about the film but to just say that sing street was really good it had really great emotional material it's just a lot of fun really funny and the music good gravy this is a, one of those sort of films that has a soundtrack that once you hear it, you'll have to buy it. And I, indeed, I bought it straight away, or at least as quickly as I could once I got the money. Um, the songs are really catchy, really original. And since it's based off of, like, you know, the 80s, you can tell the sort of influences that these guys took when they created all of these different songs. And, oh, man, Drive It Like You Stole It is such a good session. Such a lovely little song. And it's like, you know, one of the sort of songs that you'll be jamming to for the rest of eternity um and up one of my personal favorites if not my favorite song from this film as well um all the actors are really good and even bloody jack rayner who was terrible in transformers number four was actually just it was like a night and day performance this is like the best thing i've seen from him so far and John Carney, who directed once, which I still haven't seen, but he also did Begin Again, which was one of my favorite films of 2014. He just happens to have this really good eye for creating films where you get to see the sort of uh, the joy of playing and creating music, seeing the sort of like uh, wonderful feeling that people get from like, you know, having that sort of same musical feeling of elation when like you know you're either playing music creating music it's just wonderful sing street i adore it i really should watch it again uh my number one film of the year by far just really fun feel good film so good and that my friends ladies and gentlemen is the list for 2016 let me know what your top 10 was in the comment section below or hit me up on twitter where I am at the Hypersonic 55 or at Film Focus 55. At least I think that's what my name was on there. <laughs> I'll put a link for it in the description as well. And uh, yeah, let me know what you thought of my top 10, whether you thought I was right or wrong or whatever. Let me know. And uh, yeah, I know that the Film Focus podcast of 2016 has been a little like you know rough around the edges, especially after the summer. But we'll still be returning in 2017 with a film preview and like a lot of film reviews to come. I'll hopefully be able to get organized and I'll be restructuring the podcast a little bit. So look forward to that when it comes. Thanks for sticking by me throughout 2016 for anyone who is like, you know, a consistent listener. And um, yeah, don't forget to go back and check me out on uh, SoundCloud 
and on iTunes where we're film focus. And also be sure to check out the my blog, which is the hypersonic55.wordpress.com, where I do a lot more extensive like you know written reviews and like you know just featurettes of other random stuff to do with TV and video games. So yeah, check it out when you have the time. Anyway, that's me done. This is the Hypersonic 55 signing out. Happy New Year, and I'll see you in 2017. Peace. Mm-hmm.